When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even means Now I just want you in my arms again And we can search each other's dreams What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Dribbles? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this podcast, it's Three Swings. It's a podcast about baseball and other things. And it's Saturday morning, November 7th. Um, so just in time for brunch on the East Coast. The CNN, I guess, the news media, whoever called the election that they've known <laughs> the outcome of for about three days. Um, that was like the longest... Part of me is, uh, you know, grateful that they took time with it. It's almost as though something as important as a presidential election should take more than a couple hours, probably. Um, perhaps that's something we should continue to do and work on newspaper time. <clears throat> However, at a certain point, it does seem, you know, that you could call it. Uh, but the, the you know, the ratings, I think, were a little too high. Um, I personally didn't really watch a ton of it because I found it to be incredibly stressful um, when there was, in fact, nothing I could really do about it since I already voted. Um, but I hope everybody's uh, hanging in there. And it was a difficult mental health week. Um, in my mind, I had all these things I was going to talk about in regards to it, but I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it that I haven't already said. You know, the work only begins. It's not, uh, this to me is not, uh, you know, much relief because uh, people are still suffering and, um, you know, perhaps some of that suffering has has been uh, dialed down a little bit. That has yet to be presented. I do think that uh, removing a, a blatant and corrupt fascist white supremacist KKK-endorsed person from the White House is an incredibly important step, and so I do celebrate that. However, I think that... Uh, we're in really bad shape and I think a lot of people need a lot of help. And the thing that has gotten me through this week is the, the positive wins and gains, uh, across the country, but specifically in my own sort of backyard. And that's, that's what's kept me sane and not, you know, falling over the edge of the cliff of the with anxiety is that, uh, Nithya Raman won, uh, measure J was passed. Um, Jackie Lacey is no longer the DA in Los Angeles. Um, and we passed some other measures. There are other measures, uh, Prop 22, that's incredibly dangerous and insidious, and we'll all have to uh, fight on a local level, and hopefully, you know, we continue to do that. 
um, because it, it it's very bad news for the future of labor in this country. So there's just a lot, you know, it's not, it's, it's never been one thing. It's never been any one thing. And um, I really, my practice today is not shitting on anyone's ex- excitement, <laughs> um, which I may have already done, but uh, you know, it's uh, one moment at a time. And um, I guess I'm just like, great. Okay. This is, I already knew this was happening. So now what do we do? Um, and maybe a part of, I don't know. I feel somewhat like the, the journey that I've been on personally with major league baseball and a team that I love winning the world series, um, that gave me some, I guess, new experience and new information about like, you know, uh, hanging my every hope on the thing and, and, and riding too many waves, not to say that I wasn't stressed out this year, but, um, it was just a little different than before. So then this is a little different. Um, and I really, really encourage everybody to work just as hard or harder than you have for this presidential election, um, because it's important that we continue the work, um, because white supremacy has not been defeated. In fact, it continues. And uh, the people that voted for him and that still support him, they're not going away. You know, um, and yelling at them and screaming at them and sitting in our houses and being mad at them is not, you know, that's not the solution. The solution is working for uh, funding public education, health care, um, making those gains for the people that need them the most, you know, um, and moving our society forward is actually how that will change. That's at least what I believe. Um, so, I guess we'll go to <laughs> to a quick little ad break that I'm going to read for you, and then we'll be back with some baseball. All right, so the big, big news uh, is the Justin Turner follow-up. Um waited a little bit to record this podcast, and in doing so, this came out. So in the aftermath of the Dodgers winning their first World Series since 1988, conversation continues to swirl around Justin Turner's positive COVID-19 diagnosis, which was revealed to him in the ninth, eighth inning excuse me, of the series-clinching Game 6, uh, and Turner's subsequent decision to join his teammates and coaching staff and their families on the field for the post-game celebration. In their initial statements, MLB put the blame exclusively on Turner for his decision, saying that he emphatically refused to comply with their efforts to isolate him. But in an interview this week, Dodgers pitcher Blake Trinan contradicted this account, saying that Turner asked if he could come on the field and people escorted him out there. It's not like he ran out there like they're saying it. Uh, Nevertheless, MLB and the MLB PA say they are close to a resolution on Turner that could involve some sort of discipline. And since uh, the writing of these notes by lovely bench coach Brett, um, three statements were released by Rob Manfred Jr., our favorite guy, Justin Turner himself, and then also the Dodgers, where basically um, they all sort of said kind of similar, like we learned new information that like people weren't really (laughs) restricting him. Uh, I think there was a lot of confusion 
uh, as to whether he could come out. He was being told by other people that they wanted him out there. He was also told that other people tested positive. So it seems like it was a huge clusterfuck. And um, like I said on the show before, you know, it was that night on Twitter. Everybody was like going hard at him. And, um, you know, it was just it was just a wild thing to watch. And also, like, I'm not powerful enough to stop it. So <laughs> just, um, you know, I think for me, I, I have not changed my mind about how I feel about this. This this uh, completely rests. The responsibility here completely rests with Major League Baseball. I wouldn't even say it, it rests with the Dodgers like um, but, you know, the Dodgers make up Major League Baseball. So I would say there. But you know, in, in doing so it's, it, those two companies are the same company basically. Um, and I I still, you know, they're really kicking, especially Rob Manfred, like, Oh, this was difficult to do. And, you know, mistakes were made and it's like, this just should have never happened. Like the it he should never have been, there should not have been a game when, when there's questionable test results, there, there should have been, I mean, this is what they promised us would not happen when they said they were going to have baseball, they said this wasn't going to happen. And then they didn't do anything to prevent it. And they had, there were only two teams playing. Like this was the, this was the smallest <laughs> existence of baseball and they couldn't do it. They had a supposed bubble and they couldn't do it. Um, I read in the LA times, just like a, a player editorial by Kike Hernandez about winning the world series. I mean, he describes the supposed bubble in there and he was like, everybody got tested except for the kids. Like they weren't doing it right. And it's October, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they did, they weren't even taking the highest precautions because they probably thought, well, we we're already here. Like let's, who cares? Um, you know, these guys were in a hotel that was feet away from a, a golf course where, the public was like walking up to their windows and they couldn't it just like the whole thing was a nightmare. And so to me to blame this one guy, um, for going out there and, and I understand I'm biased. I would like to think that if it was the Tampa Bay Rays, um, <clears throat> in the same scenario that I would have, uh, the same thoughts. I would like to think that I think the only team that I would probably have had a different experience of is if this would have been the Houston Astros, but I don't think that would have happened in that scenario. But I just think, you know, there's just, there's just no world where, um, you know, a player gets an inconclusive test on a Monday and there's games on a Tuesday that you can't say, look, we have to, we have to do the hard thing, which is we have to move the game schedule. You know, like we're in a new territory. Things have to be done differently. We have to change course, like at the moment of drop of a hat. So um, I still I still blame, you know, 90 percent of this on a failing of Major League Baseball as a corporate entity and not taking care of their uh, their players and their labor because it put everybody's life at risk, you know. Um, now, now there's like reports that, you know, five, five people in the Dodgers organization have, it. it's just like, it's a nightmare. And like, everybody wants to scapegoat this one guy. And if you want to scapegoat one guy, it should be Rob Manfred. I think this guy is probably the worst commissioner we've had in, a, in quite some time, at least in modern baseball history. Um, but I'm sure the owners would heartily disagree with me. Um, but my, my thoughts have not really changed much. I, I, I think it's hard to, uh, uh, 
imagine being in, in that position with all that chaos going on and being pulled out of the eighth inning of a game that it really seems like you're going to win. I just, I just can't, I just cannot imagine it. I just cannot imagine it. And of course there is the argument of the haves and the have nots. Um, but there are people going to work who are being put in the same scenario as this man. Um, maybe not the same on paper, but having to choose between work. It's just, the choice shouldn't be happening. (laughs) You know what I mean? We should be, people should have enough. There's, there's more than enough to go around. So, uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to get any punishment, which I actually think is a good thing. Um, I think, you know, if anybody's going to be punished, it should be major league baseball and they should be giving money to the city of Arlington or that County for, you know, the potential outbreak that they caused by bringing fans into the stands and into the city. Um, but that's just, you know, one guy's opinion. Um, so speaking of opinions, let's move on to the Golden Glove winners. Uh, this year's Golden Glove winners were announced earlier this week, the same night as the presidential election. So Major League Baseball really, really knows how to schedule things, clearly. Um, so in the American League, we've got for pitcher Griffin Canning of the Angels, catcher Roberto Perez for Cleveland. That's his second. Um, first base, Evan White of the Mariners, second base. Cesar Hernandez for Cleveland. That's his first shortstop JP Crawford for the Mariners. That's his first, um, third base, Isaiah Kinner Falefa. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry. Of the Rangers left field, Alex Gordon gets his eighth gold glove for left field with the Royals also retired this year. Center field, Luis Robert with the white Sox and right field, Joey Gallo of the Rangers. And then moving on to, the National League for pitcher, we've got Max Freed with Atlanta. Catcher Tucker Barnhart with the Reds, that's his second. And uh, Anthony Rizzo collects his fourth gold glove at first base. And Colton Wan gets his second at second base. Javier Baez gets his first at shortstop. Okay, <laughs> that's a surprise. Um, third base is Nolan Arenado getting his eighth with the Rockies. That's just nuts and not surprising. Uh, left field, Tyler O'Neill with the Cardinals and center field, probably the most questionable one for me, Trent Grisham with the Padres. Cause I cannot believe Cody Bellinger didn't get it, but whatever. And right field Mookie Betts gets his fifth this year with the Dodgers. Um, this year's gold gloves were based on a collection of defensive met- metrics known as the Saber Defensive Index, which combines several methods of estimating defensive performance statistically. Because of MLB's regional schedule this season, managers and coaches, usually one part of the final component, did not vote. Interesting. Rockies third baseman Nolan Arenado led all major league players with 15 defensive runs saved, winning his eighth consecutive consecutive gold glove. Joey Gallo followed him with 12 defensive runs saved and won his first Golden Glove after moving full-time to right field this year. And Dodgers right fielder Mookie Betts was third overall with 11 defensive runs saved and won his fifth consecutive Golden Glove. I'd love to figure out what his defensive runs saved (laughs) uh, was for the the playoffs this year. Um, And then we also have the Silver Slugger winners. Uh, So this year... In the American League at catcher, we've got Salvador Perez. That's his third. First base, Jose Abreu, also his third. DJ LeMahieu at second base. That's his second. Jose Ramirez gets his third. Uh, Tim Anderson gets his first. And outfielders, Mike Trout gets his eighth. Teoscar Hernandez with the Blue Jays gets his first. And Eloy Jimenez gets his first. And the designated hitter, Tel- Telson Cruz. Nelson Cruz with the Twins gets his fourth. Um, and then moving on to the National League, Travis D'Arnaud gets his first. 
uh, Freddie Freeman with his second. So that's a lot of Atlanta at the top there. Second base, Donovan Solano with the Giants. Third base, Manny Machado with the Padres. And shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr., also with the Padres. And then in the outfield, we've got Juan Soto, Mookie Betts with his fourth, and Ronald Acuna with his second. And the DH, Silver Slugger, goes to Marcel Ozuna over in Atlanta as well. So that's a lot of Atlanta in the batting. Um, surprising, given the uh, you know Dodgers' dominance this year, but whatever. The Silver Slugger Award is annually given to the top offensive player at each position in each league, though in the outfield there are simply three outfielders without a breakdown of left, center, and right fielders. Angel star Mike Trout won his eighth Silver Slugger. Only Barry Bonds, with 12, has won more among outfielders in history, although this has only been an award since the 1980s season. On the team level, the NL was dominated by Atlanta as they took home four Silver Sluggers. In the AL, the White Sox led the way with three winners, two of whom were first-timers. And speaking of the White Sox, I think I'm going (laughs) to jump ahead uh, to the White Sox hiring Tony La Russa. Uh, Last week, the Chicago White Sox selected former A's and Cardinals manager Tony La Russa as their new manager. La Russa has been out of the league for nine years. His last stint was in the Arizona Diamondbacks front office, and he inherits a team that came in second in the AL Central this year and is brimming with young dynamic talent. Um, Meanwhile, earlier this week, the White Sox former manager Rick Renteria received a nomination for AL Manager of the Year. Renteria, who was fired after this season, oversaw the White Sox during the last four seasons as they underwent a full-scale rebuild. He was often lauded for his developmental prowess and his ability to connect with his players, building a much-praised culture in the White Sox clubhouse. Fantastic. Renteria led a White Sox team that lost 89 games last year to the franchise franchise's first postseason berth in a dozen years. Renteria was also the focus of frustration among White Sox fans when the team stumbled down the stretch, losing eight of their final 10 games and losing in round one of the playoffs to the Oakland A's. Um, <clears throat> I think this is a very unfortunate move. I listened to Talking Baseball and they got into it with the, I already forgot the owner's name. Basically, the owner wanted to hire Tony La Russa. It's like the one that got away in the 1980s. And I think it's a bad move. Um, I But I mean, you know, more will be revealed, but I don't, this, I also think that if you are inducted into the Hall of Fame, you're done. <laughs> I don't think, I think this sets a bad precedent um, and I think it, it, it keeps, uh, young talent. I think it keeps people from progressing. I think this continued look towards old baseball is just, you know, those guys on the John boy talking baseball podcast brought up a great point that Omar Vizquel has been like working within the Detroit Tigers organization, which we'll get into. Like there are, if Rick Renteria is not the guy, if like fumbling down the stretch is the problem and you're willing to let go of the guy that got you there uh, because of a first mistake, um, I got to think that you want to invest inside the organization that got you to where you're at because Rick Renteria didn't do all this by himself. So a move towards Tony La Russa is just, to me, a move back in time. I mean, also, the guy hasn't been in baseball for nine years, like actively in baseball. Like the game has changed a lot in nine years, like we lament often how much the game is not changing, but when we really stop and look, think about how different the game is in the last nine years. Like people are actively wanting it to change. That's a huge, it's just, 
the game that Tony LaRusa left is not the game that he's walking back into. And I think that is why if someone, if someone is inducted into the hall of fame, that means it's done. That's an era. You've been rewarded for your work in baseball and, and it is historical and therefore done. I just, I just don't understand. I mean, I do understand. It's like, it's one guy making a unilateral decision to get what he wants, which is the, you know, the owner of the White Sox, like he wants what he wants and he's going to get it. Um, and that is like, you know, that is 2011 baseball, (laughs) you know, that is still happening. Um, so to speak to like talent, we'll just hop on to the free agency thing real quick. And then I'll get into the other two managerial moves that I think are very important to talk about. Um, while this year's free agency class doesn't necessarily include a megastar or franchise player like a Garrett Cole or a Bryce Harper or a Mookie Betts, it is a deep class with several all-star level pitchers and position players capable of making a big impact. Here are some of the biggest names. This is just some of the biggest names. Some of these names you already just heard on the Silver Slugger Awards and also the Golden Gold Glove Awards. Okay. You've got JT Real Muto, the Phillies catcher, George Springer, the Astros outfielder, Trevor Bauer, uh, Reds right-handed pitcher, DJ LeMahieu, Yankees infielder, uh, Marcel Ozuna, Atlanta outfielder, Charlie Morton, Rays right-handed pitcher, Marcus Simeon, A's shortstop, DD Gregorius, Phillies shortstop, Justin Turner, Dodgers third baseman, Nelson Cruz, Twins DH, Michael Brantley, Astros outfielder, Marcus Stroman, Mets right-handed pitcher. Mashiro Tanaka, Yankees right-handed pitcher. Jake Odorizzi, Twins right-handed pitcher. Jose Quintana, Cubs left-handed pitcher. Liam Hendricks, A's right-handed relief pitcher. And Brad Hand, Cleveland's left-handed relief pitcher. And uh, some of these guys, they've already been turned down for the qualified offer. Uh, Trevor Bauer, I think, got an ex- got was extended the qualified thing. I don't totally... Some of this stuff I I just can't follow because I just don't. The money stuff doesn't really get me super excited. But in terms of the most impactful players on this list, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, in the experience of Justin Turner, sort of like (laughs) heel turn to everybody, um, something that has like really come out is that he's like the heart of the clubhouse. Um, And I think that, you know, many teams that are on the verge of moving forward would benefit from someone like that. I think these days with sabermetric and I mean, the man can hit and he plays a great third base. So it's not like we're talking about somebody who, you know, can barely move and, and his his only value is the, the heartbeat of the clubhouse. But I just think we don't, you know, especially with moves like Tony LaRusa, we just don't value in, in baseball, what, the person brings to the team. You know, I think the, the Mookie bets move, you know, uh, I've talked to people who just couldn't understand why Bryce Harper wasn't picked up by the Dodgers. And like, maybe this was part of it. I don't know, but I will say that like Mookie bets, once in a generation player, clearly, obviously, but it's not just what he does. It's how he does it. And I think that there are a lot of players um, on this list who bring the same thing, even somebody like DJ LeMahieu, who is very much just like a work a day kind of dude. Like he is an incredibly reliable at bat. And if you are batting behind that guy, like, you know, he's going to probably get on pace. Um, and I think somebody like Michael Brantley is also incredibly reliable and a huge anchor to a lineup. Um, and I think a lot of these pitchers have a lot of potential that just hasn't been realized for whatever reasons. But I think, 
Um, I think out of everybody, Marcelo Zuna <laughs> has to get picked up by the Atlanta. He was a huge, huge part of why they almost like knocked out the best team in baseball to go to the World Series this year. And like they would be it would be really silly of them to not bring him back. I think, I think he brings he, whatever, whatever it was, he fit with them just as much as they fit with him. And I, I think he's a, an incredibly potent part of their lineup. Um, and I think also Didi Gregorius is just one of the best players who just hasn't gotten the best crack at, at a, a lineup. Um, so, yeah. And I also think JT Romuto whatever it is, didn't pan out with the Phillies as much as before. But I think, you know, he's a great hitting catcher. And if you are lacking in that spot, like I'm trying to think of someone who is like the Brewers. I don't know. Um, But I think there many teams would benefit from many of these guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see where Trevor Bauer ends up. If he ends up just going back to the Reds, because I think the Reds are building something that's incredibly could be really great. Um, so yes, let's just wrap it up. Keep this one nice, short and sweet, um, and talk about the last two managerial moves that as soon as I saw the tweet at the midweek that the Red Sox, they were like, we were talking to this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and Alex Cora. I was like, oh, they're hiring Alex Cora again. There's no way that they're not just going to hire this guy again. And then they did, uh, the Boston Red Sox rehired former, former manager, Alex Cora, who was fired by the team and suspended by the MLB for a full, full season quote for his role in the Astros cheating scandal. He was Houston's bench coach at the time. Um, we also are just like sort of as, as a, as a, as a group, baseball as a group, just kind of not talking necessarily about the fact that the Red Sox did a similar thing as the Astros. They just didn't use trash cans. Um, and then the Tigers hire AJ Hinch, the Detroit Tigers hired former Astros manager, AJ Hinch, Hinch's role in the 2017, 18 cheating scandal led to his firing by the Astros and a quote, one year suspension by the major, by major league baseball. So, uh, clearly I have my personal reasons to be upset by this. However, I just don't know what is this this there's it's it's a precedent it's bad for the game, you know. It's just bad for the game. I can't there what else am I supposed to say I, we've been through this a million times. Like again, it to me it's all it's it's similar but not the same with going backwards to somebody that's already in the Hall of Fame. Clearly like we're talking about people who cheated and like and brought a darkness to the the game that that many people still are upset about. Um, and then we're talking about somebody who essentially is retired and being brought out of retirement instead of like bringing up new talent. Um, but it just, it's bad. It's bad to go backward. It, like these guys were not suspended from anything, <laughs> you know, they were not suspended for, they just had a year off, you know, they were like on vacation and then they're just getting hired back in at the position that they left even though AJ Hinch is not coming into the Astros, like it's, he's still in the game. It's disgusting. You know, I, I, I especially, I especially am upset about the AJ Hinch thing because he, uh, what kind of, I just, it's just bad. It's just bad. It's just bad. And I, I feel kind of bad for these, for the Tigers, you know, they're building something that goes back to the Omar Vizquel. Like he's been toiling away in the minor leagues and like, you can't bring that guy up. And it's just, to me, a, a part of, you know, the, the white supremacy of the league. And it just, there's, it's, it's a bad move. It's a bad move and it's a bad look and it's not good for the game. And I am pretty upset about it and it sucks. It sucks that, 
uh, people, it's not even that they're just like failing up. It's like they're cheating upwards, you know, like cheaters. I mean, they'll get theirs, I guess. They just haven't gotten it yet, but it's a huge bummer for the game. It's a, it's a huge bummer. It's not great. Um, so that's, that's baseball for this week. Um, I hope everybody's staying hydrated. I hope you're taking care of each other. I hope you're finding ways to continue to stay involved locally and nationally um, and keep, you know, educating yourself on these issues. Don't just, you know, this is, this has been my actual journey of just like, oh, I used to just like, you know, vote Democrat all the way down the ticket and da, 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 da. And it's like, I wasn't, I was using that to not investigate. I was, that was, you know, uh, not something it was, it was given to me honestly, uh, cause I was raised in a place that was incredibly Republican, incredibly conservative. And, uh, you know, doing that was, was, uh, an active thing, you know, it was an active thing, but I, that's not where I live anymore. You know, it's not, it's not 1990 anymore. And, um, it's not, that's not the politics that I'm experiencing. And it kept me from progressing and it kept me from pushing past like what was being handed to me. And I think, um, you know, prop 22 illuminated that for me even more that like, um, you have to you have to do more than just simply vote. You have to actually educate yourself before you get into the booth, you know, like whether the booth is your kitchen table or a physical booth, but like you have you have to dig deeper and you can't just believe the same people that you've been believing your whole life because you're not growing. You know, it's not even about them being bad or whatever. It's about a lack of growth and a stagnation of just like, oh, I'm not actually paying attention. <laughs> you know, I'm not actually like my, my existence is actually not enough, you know? Um, and I think, you know, the Nithya Raman versus David Rue, uh, election it, locally, which I think, you know, got a lot of national attention. I think it's really important and, you know, incredibly important that we remember that this was not a Democrat versus a Republican. It was a progressive versus an establishment incumbent who turned very Republican at the end. Um, and it's great information for me that it's like, you have to keep looking and it can't just, it, you know, so I posted about her and somebody was like, Oh, I hope more blue across. The it's like, it was already quote blue. It's not about red and blue. It's about what are we doing? What are we doing? Who is doing what? And if your first thought when I, you hear me say that is, well, I'm not going to vote Republican question that question why that's what you think, <laughs> because the binary which is a thing that I personally am existing outside of, and I think a lot of people that are listening to this also do, is a deadly thing. And I don't mean like killing, but I also do mean that. Like, look outside of it. There are other options. And and I realized recently my willingness, unwillingness to, to like actually investigate these things is what was keeping them from prospering in my own life. And so you have to look into it. I, I beg of you to continue the work. It's not done. It keeps going. You can be glad. You can enjoy it, but use it to keep going forward. On Wednesday, I went to the Black Lives Matter Jackie Lacey must go, which turned into a will go protest and celebration. And like people were happy and they were still mad. <laughs> you know, they're both things can be very true. And it's actually incredibly important and really powerful for that to exist at the same time. Because if there's no 
joy, then what are we here for? But if if you only exist in the joy and then you take your foot off the gas, you're letting yourself down. So I I encourage you to continue the work, whatever it is, um, and don't just go back to brunch, you know? So let's keep going. And uh, as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.